You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to a Nerd Room live stream where this evening we will be breaking down and discussing the first two episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, for everyone watching, I'm not alone this evening. I am joined, as you can see on the screen here, by my Falcon, the goddamn Batman. Carlos, what's going on, buddy? How are you tonight? I'm doing well tonight. I'm excited to break down the first two episodes of this fine show. Both time I got the headline and gig, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Disney was listening to a few recent podcasts and they're like, maybe we need to give this guy a shot front and center. I think so. I think so. And, you know, guys, as we kick off this next MCU Disney Plus show, you know, there's only one crew we'd want to be here to help us break this down, break down what is arguably one of the most anticipated properties of 2021. And you know what? It's the boys from the Vigilante 1939V. 39. I've got Nico and Zeddy in the room today. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. How are you doing this evening? So glad to be here, brother. Yeah. As always, there would there's no one else we would want to talk MCU stuff with. We're in the right place at the right time today. I can yeah. do this all day. Yeah, you can. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Well, boys, this has become somewhat of a tradition with our two crews here breaking down and also wrapping up these MCU and Disney Plus shows, really. Mm. You know, it's it's a time that I think that we need to step back for a second here before we jump into some of the detail and recalibrate ourselves. Because we've come off a tremendous hot streak of streaming service content. Look, mm. we, we kicked this relationship off in a major way with The Mandalorian. Season finale oh, of The Mandalorian just a few months back. And in between that time and now, We've also had WandaVision, and last week, Zack Snyder's Justice League took the world by storm and put a little shadow on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And now we have this show. Episodes one and two are behind us. They have been out there. So guys, spoilers for those that are watching. We're, we're going to let loose right away. It's going to be spoiler talk on both of those episodes. So there's some great reveals in there. So if you haven't watched it, take a little break. And head back when you can. But let, let's let's jump straight into it. This show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, comes hot off the heels of WandaVision. There's a lot, a lot of anticipation for this show, even before the pandemic. This was, last year, my most anticipated property, period, as it's supposed to debut last October, I believe. It's picking up the pieces of Endgame, of two of the two title characters that we are seeing in this show, and running with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, their their story. Now, before we really get into any of the details of Episode One and Two, I got to gauge you guys. I got to gauge everyone in the room here as to how you're feeling. Not only walking into this, but after the first two episodes, you know, we'll we'll jump into the detail. But Nico, my dude, like, how are you feeling after the first two episodes here? I know you had. You know, you had a lot to get out last week with Zack Snyder's Justice. Bro, League, I had a lot to get through. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a very major gear shift change for you. Yeah. And you had to switch really quick here 
you know, comment a little bit too on on you know both of these properties coming at the same time. Was this the right decision? Like, how are you feeling about everything that's happening right now? Yeah, wonderful question. So for me, you're right. It is a really big gear shift because if you if you know me and you guys do and most of your audience does but if you don't i i am and i share this with zeddy as well we're more dc leaning guys in general that goes back to the comic books etc not to the point where i i grew up in a house where i was reading all of this at like age six instead of like dr seuss so when I say I lean DC, I don't mean like it's here and here. They're pretty close, but I lean DC. And I'm also a big fan of the Zack Snyder films, what he's done for DC. So I was very excited for Zack Snyder's Justice League. It it dominated sort of my thoughts the last couple of weeks, especially with the black and white version coming out last night. But but I will say, when I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, in between my second and third rewatches of Zack Snyder's Justice League... <laughs> episode one, I was blown away by, um, I was worried that it was going to follow that. It was going to have a hard time following WandaVision in terms of Mm -hmm. the depth and the creativity. And after episode one, I did not feel that way at all. I was very happy with it. I said it almost, it pretty much exceeded every expectation I had of the show up to that point. I thought it was going to be all action um, which the action sequences are dope, but I thought it was going to be all action and little substance just for the premiere. Cause you have to hook people. Right. So I'm like, Oh, are they going to remind us who these two guys are in this big bomb basket way? And then we get the development later. Um, and then sort of the, the narrative around the Twitter fan base for Zack Snyder's justice league is we all have probably had an experience with it for as much as the positivity with it. There is that, negativity and then i feel like that movement to restore the snyderverse hashtag restore the snyderverse was kind of picking up all week and then there was all these announcements from warner brothers i don't necessarily think it was a bad decision i just think that this is the first time ever where we're where where we've literally had this much content at once yeah and we're all stuck at home Mm -hmm. everything like that so it's here it's readily Available. I would have never thought that tonight, if I wanted, I could watch WandaVision, Zack Snyder's Justice League, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. Invincible just dropped on Amazon, too. I know that's a sort of a smaller tier below this, but a lot of people were excited for that. So I actually think it's a great decision because nerds win, so we win. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say it's not a bad decision for me, for us. Maybe for marketing it might be because I was surprised – and some people had a differing opinion than me, which is okay. I kind of was surprised coming off WandaVision and for the two characters they were using in this show that it didn't um, go neck and neck with Zack Snyder's Justice League last week. I feel like Justice League got, and maybe that's because it was this bigger deal that extended outside of Twitter. You know, a lot of times I fall into... I. I, yes. I forget <laughs> that Twitter is not the end-all be-all. So I'm like, Wow. I'm surprised not more people are talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I have a feeling that's going to change um, real fast, especially with the way episode two here ended. Yeah. So I hope I answered your question. I have no idea if I did or not. No, no, you got there for sure. No, and and, like I think I agree with you. It seemed that the anticipation 
and the overall reception of Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think took everyone by surprise, to be honest. It took myself by surprise about how much it actually eclipsed episode one of the Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm with you, and I love the guy, and I was excited for it, but I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm surprised more people aren't coming to me with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, it seemed like I at the onset you look at the Civil War Batman versus Superman sort of headbutting that they did. And this yeah. this represented a very similar two universes going head to head. And at that time, Civil War won out. And to be honest with you, I didn't really anticipate there to be a shadowing effect. I, I thought that Zack Snyder's Justice League would have a rule that day, and then Falcon Wind Soldier would take off the weekend, and that wasn't mm-hmm. the case. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to wait pretty much till week three before the momentum and you see a major shift in the the discussion and the amount of discussion on Twitter. I, I saw a little bit more of it today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we like you said, we have these Twitter bubbles and we've curated our timelines down to a certain point where we're seeing the stuff that we want. And so we're not getting yeah. kind of the outside, the periphery mm-hmm. ideas and what people are looking at. And so at times I find we're skewed one way or another. But ultimately, this is look like it's it's picking up a little bit of momentum, and rightfully so. It's it's great. The first two episodes are awesome. Now, Zeddy, mm-hmm. the Captain America universe, it, it it's near and dear to you. Yeah. And how are you feeling about these first two episodes, and and really where they pick up, and what they do inside of these, as far as hooking an audience and keeping an audience. It's mm-hmm. a great question. Uh, I remember just being on like this very show and I remember like even on our show, I said Cap is my guy. So when there was this idea of a Falcon and Winter Soldier show, like I was down for it just because I wanted to see the shield again. Like yes. I love that shield. I love what it represents. And I love that this show, what it's done in two episodes is really hammered home this idea of symbols and that that shield isn't just a tangible thing you use in battle. It's like a symbol of hope and patriotism and optimism. And I love that. It's really this not to get too political, but it's what does like what the shield represents to Sam was different than what it represented to Steve. Mm. And maybe we'll get a little bit into later on that later, but For sure. uh, it was just thrilling. Cause I, I said it on, on like my show. I think I said it on this show. If this, if Falcon and winter soldier could have hit that tone between Captain America, First Avenger, and the Winter Soldier. I think that's about as best of a starting foundation as you can get. And while we might have had one of those more present in these first two episodes, <laughs> there certainly is some First Avenger vibes to it. So, oh yeah, I oh, yeah. I was I was completely into it. And again, you know, we've said it before. It's what they're doing with these streaming shows and these characters. Just in these forty-minute episodes, it's like you're getting more than you would in a two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. To be quite frank, so Amen. I'm I'm lo- I'm loving this. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. Carlos, what about you? Throw you some ideas at this about what these two fir- first two episodes have done done for you as far as kind of getting you into the next and maybe a bit more action and a bit more familiarity when it comes to the MCU as far as how these are being presented. Yeah, like the all the air was certainly sucked out of the room by Justice League, mm-hmm. but walked into that first episode the day it dropped and I was totally taken aback at how good the production value was like with WandaVision, you you could kind of see the TV show trappings of it. And part of that, a large part of that is by design. Um, But with this, it just looked like a a scene from an MCU movie kind of thing. And, and even once they kind of leave the big chase set piece and you're going through like the, 
the cafe setting and Sam driving around to Louisiana, it never lost that. Like it always felt really big and really cinematic. Um, and I was hyped for this one and like Falcon is my guy. And I was a little disappointed with where they've taken him up front. And I was kind of hoping that there'd be some, and part of it is just like that whole preconceived notions thing, right? That it would be a little more rooted in the real world. And when it started getting into kind of this blip politics, I was like, oh, there's there's no need for that because unfortunately we have tons of things to play with in the real world sensibilities. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, I was pleasantly surprised with where they took Bucky's story yep. and where his headspace was at and how he's struggling in the wake of Steve's departure and having a hard time a adjusting and b reconciling with where his past was. Um, so I was, I was kind of happy with that and I was looking forward to seeing more of that develop today and then started episode two and it, it was cool. Like it took off from where it did, but then there's a point in that show today where I was all in, like they go on a little visit and I was, I know like, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Yeah. Cause like <laughs> I kind of picked up on, on something that they might be playing with in the credits of episode one. And I was like, I really hope they go there and there's something cool they could do um, with that character and that history. And if they don't, like, quite frankly, it's it, it's a shame on Marvel Studios. But of course, they didn't miss anything. And like kind of when it hit that point, I was all in like, mm -hmm. I, I can't wait for episode three now. Um once they visited that old man. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'm right there with you too, because they did, they did dip their toe into the waters of providing some social commentary around uh, marginalized uh, communities and that. And this episode, I, I like what they did because I truly wasn't expecting an episode to them to bring in the character that they did. That really helps pad out some of what we're going to see. I think from Sam's story in particular, and so I think they're going in a, the direction that we had anticipated they would, but they're using characters and circumstances that I wasn't really expecting. And I, it got me super stoked for what they're going to do next in, in these shows. Now, when we get to episode one, you know, we, we've all talked about here our hype going into this, how we felt kind of walking in and out new world order. So to be honest with you, the way this kicks off, and we can talk about the whole action set pieces here from both two episodes, but this, like you said, Carlos, this this first action set piece was truly cinematic. And on top of that, you've got this beautiful little Batrock the Leaper cameo, which I wasn't expecting. Like I did one of those, like, oh, like pointing at the screen, and my wife's like, Who's that? And I was like, It's Batrock the Leaper for the Winter Soldier. Like it's a brilliant way to kind of bridge that winter soldier film into this and to get people like us excited i don't know if a lot of people will really recognize him but it was something that to me put a real stamp on what this is going to be and what universe inside of the mcu this is really going to reflect so so zeddy take me through some of your thoughts on the action in general from the show from this first set piece that we see that is super engaging to the one that we see mostly from the trailers, but an extended version of that in episode two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The action, like right off the bat, I love just the one with a Falcon, how it like really established him as like this sort of tactician. Mm -hmm. Almost mm -hmm. like, I love that, you know, it kind of made him like this wise cracking 
kind of smart guy. It showed some of his like tactician skills, like from the the army and the military. Like I I dug all that because I mean you got to establish that this guy at some point is gonna take the shield, so you got to establish him as like a credible hero, a credible fighter. And it's on it, and like I know like you guys probably might have the same idea, but it's crazy that that first action sequence was like the only one that we got in episode one, mm-hmm. and I almost didn't miss any of the other action. The rest of that first episode, just because of what we were getting kind of in between that. But I mean, the second episode, this feels much more like more like the show we thought we were getting. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Bucky's back in back in the, in the fray. I mean, Sam's getting Sam's back into it. You got this other guy, imposter, as yes. I call him, which we'll talk about <laughs> him a little later. Uh, but it's it's just groundbreaking. And it's it's just incredible. I mean, it's it's this is Cap. I mean, Cap's back. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's pretty wild what they're able to do now. Because I think if you look at TV shows of extended universes, that we always assume lower quality. And we understand the budgets that are being put into this. We've seen the behind the scenes for things like The Mandalorian and WandaVision. But it, I still find it jarring how well these are put together. And, and Carlos, you, you called this cinematic. And I don't think there's any other way you can really call this because you could, you can't tell a difference between this show and what's been put to screen in the past in really any MCU movie movie, save like infinity war as far as scale. But you know, you look at the winter soldier, the opening sequence there, this is on par with that. Would you not agree? Yeah. Like I'd almost say like not better quote unquote, but it's probably a more difficult mm-hmm. set piece to pull off. And I was just astounded at, how much Sam flew like it, yeah, and how like that he's zipping in and out of helicopters and weaving in and out of canyons and that they're showcasing him really up close and personal and then really far away shots. And they have this guy all over the place and it, it never looked like it was CG or anything like that. Different speeds that he's traveling at. And yeah, it was super impressive, super impressive for sure. And then, the the action set piece from today's show was a nice change from from that but once again you have sam whipping in our trucks and it it was cool like i that opener really set the tone for what they can accomplish in this and then like zeddy said like the rest of the show was so compelling you didn't miss the lack of action at all like i didn't even think about it to be honest with you so no I, i fully agree with you there and you know, when you look at WandaVision, and Nico, I'm going to you on this one. You know, we're all big fans of WandaVision, but when you look at it relative to other MCU films, being that that was the first Disney Plus show, it really lacked the action. It was more about the intrigue, the mystery, and and to be honest with you, the theory crafting. I find that there's already less of that in the Falcon Winter Soldier because narratively speaking, it's more of a straight line and it's designed that way. And WandaVision was designed that way, but this is, we know what we're getting with this. Do you find yourself impressed with that? Or are you looking for more of something different from the Falcon and winter soldier? No, I'm, I'm glad I went that way. I'm impressed in that. I'm actually, I'm frankly tired after WandaVision. Of <laughs> all the series. <laughs> I'm very exhausted of um, all the anticipation and anxiety in a good way though. Um, cause I were, we four, I think were people who had fun with that, but we also, mm-hmm. as a friend of mine, Zach likes to say, we, we speculated responsibly where we had it, but then when it didn't happen, we were okay with it. 
this I already feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know what we're week out, I'm not like, okay, so Reed Richards is the guy yeah. in the mask, right? <laughs> like, you know, like I'm glad I don't have to do that. I will say, I will say though, the thing I'm where the intrigue lies with me, and I don't think it'll go away throughout the whole show, is I went on record and said that WandaVision was probably the most creative thing that the MCU's done. Probably the most bold thing the MCU's done too, because you, for three episodes, you ask people to watch a sitcom with a little bit of um, nuance spread through it. This one, I think it's more of the legacy thing Mm -hmm. that's keeping everyone going because the question for WandaVision was, you know, what, what can we do with these characters? For this, it is what can we do with these characters as well, but it's also, man, Steve Rogers, in my opinion, Chris Evans was the best hero in the MCU, yeah. and his him leaving is just as significant as Iron Man leaving. I'm almost going to argue a little bit more because you got a lot more Tony with Spider-Man, especially in Far From Home. Uh, Tony got a little bit more closure than Steve did. Um, at least in my opinion, that's my observation. Mm-hmm. I've only seen Far From Home once, so I could be wrong. But um, I love how the thing that's driving this show is the two guys who are the closest to him are just trying to figure out how to honor him. Mm-hmm. And then you pull in Zemo, you pull in social commentary, you pull in some of the stuff with the blip. And I just think the love for Steve and how important he was to the MCU is going to is what's getting people there each week. And I think everything else is just fun on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. You know, Steve Rogers legacy, Chris Evans legacy looms very large over top of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I find that they start to peel back some layers of the onion in this episode in episode two, in particular, that really explodes his, I, I always call them universes within the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has kind of their own contained little space, a little piece of the MCU where there's characters that are more inherently attached to that story. And we see this, this massive, huge explosion of that universe inside of the MCU in today's episode. I was blown away Mm -hmm. by how complex it already got with the amount of characters. And there's a lot of nods to deep cut characters from the comic books, from the legacy of Captain America in the comics that we do see in here that I hope that they really start to develop. Now, Nico, I'm going to stick with you on this one. When we're, when we're in episode one, you know, to be honest with you, I was I was a bit shocked that we didn't start with, in the way the trailers I think laid it out, it made you think this with Falcon and the Winter Soldier teaming up together. Mm-hmm. I assumed that they were a partnership that went straight from Endgame into the Falcon and Winter Soldier, but we find ourselves actually developing these characters independently in episode one. And I thought that was a brilliant take. I thought we're Mm -hmm. going straight into buddy cop, but we know we find ourselves setting up both of these characters independently. And even Bucky for whatever reason, his name's in the title and I maybe should have got this, but I, to be honest with you, did not think we were going to get much of a backstory and much of a narrative thread with Bucky because we've seen that in the winter soldier. We see some of that, in mm-hmm. civil war as well but we set ourselves up for actually two nice developmental pieces for both of these characters that are going to run seemingly in parallel now did you think we we're going to go straight into buddy cop like we saw like we assumed that those two pieces were connected in the trailer 100 my my assumption was that 
um, they were going to pick up where they lo- left off from Endgame, and they're mm-hmm. going to try to do something together, and they're going to be both working together. Um, and I was in the best way possible, like you said, Tim, shocked because we're used to them being together, mm-hmm. especially post Civil War. They spend a lot of that movie together, and then Infinity War and Endgame. There's not much of them until the very end. Um, Infinity War and Endgame really really focus on more things there's so many characters and endgame is mainly the original team plus you know uh rocket uh ant-man etc so i like how they said okay we're giving you this show let's give you them by themselves with Mm -hmm. a relatable story and a really in some ways bucky's could be relatable too but let's give them something that's going to hook you from a personal standpoint and a character standpoint. And then episode two is when we're going to bring them together in the good old MCUA. So I was shocked. I, I, I did not ever think we would see them apart aside from smaller side quests that they would do throughout the show. But I literally thought episode one was going to open up with like the sequence we got today in episode mm-hmm. two. Fully, fully agree with you there. Now, Carlos, mm-hmm. you are, you the same opinion here, you know, and I want you to expand a bit on some of your hesitation for Falcon's story in episode one in particular, you know, before we really start to bring in some of those characters that we saw in episode two, but having them separate in the first episode, was that a positive for you? Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise for sure. And I, and I kind of liked the whole idea of seeing the heroes in the aftermath of what was Endgame, And they kind of suggest that, these guys have all had nothing to do since then Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and are fine. Like Falcon's gone back as a military contractor, which I thought was cool. And then Bucky doing his therapy stuff and tying that into the events of civil war. Um, and the follow from that, I thought that was super sweet and them being separate added to that effect of these guys all have to kind of go on and live their separate lives and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, as far as like where Sam was, like I thought it was really cool that he was like subcontracted in the military yeah. and was trying to forge his own path. But, uh, and they still haven't really explained it. They hinted that they might. It, it didn't quite sit with me as to why he just gave up the shield and donated it because they made such a big deal about how honored he was. And they do add a bit of emphasis at the end game as to it was a decision for Steve to give him the shield as opposed to give it to Bucky and that Sam was the guy to bear that. And then when they kind of play it as though he just doesn't feel up to, uh, up to the legacy and up to taking on the mantle. And they kind of do that in a few different spots. I was like, well, that that doesn't really do Sam justice kind of thing. So I, Honestly, it didn't sit well with me until we get to the back half of episode two. And I was like, that will be justified if what happens in the house is what inspires Sam to take up the mantle. And mm-hmm. if they really build off of that, I think that'll lend itself to a more special story. But even just small things like him giving up the physical shield that was Captain America's. It's like, well, you would keep that in the family, so to speak. And if mm-hmm. the U.S. military wants wants something like that, they just make their own, right? Like, they could, uh, yeah, you got, they, I think you got one upstairs, don't you? 
Yeah, I got two in this house, and <laughs> I've been I've been eyeing up that Falcon style one, but uh, I, that'll bring bad things if another shield shows up in this house. Oh, no. <laughs> nice. Zeddy, like mm -hmm. we we talked about the Steve Rogers legacy looming over yeah. this show, and and much to Carlos's point about Sam giving up the shield. And, you know, yeah. the way I took that was that he doesn't feel and he speaks of that, you know, that that voiceover is in the start of episode one about him feeling like it's someone else's like he's not worthy. If I can use that word, you know, take it mm -hmm. out of Thor and put it into this of that shield. And that that's kind of why I thought he gave it up. But it's interesting, Carlos, and I liked your point about you know, you think that maybe he would just tuck it away you know, mm -hmm. put it in storage or whatever and keep, hold on to that thing because of the importance of the symbology and what it represents for the character of Steve Rogers, someone that he was very close with. But, you know, walking into Falcon's story here is Eddie. Mm -hmm. Is this one that you can buy into? And we can bring in some of the context of episode two and maybe where this is going to go down the road. And, you know, if anyone's read Nick Spencer's run on Captain America, Sam Wilson, I think they're going to pull some threads from that about the idea or concept of, you know, America not accepting or the world, I will say, not accepting Sam Wilson. And we, we very much, you know, at the end of this episode, that, that nail is hit right on the head about the American government not seeing Sam as Captain America. He doesn't fit the profile. I like where they're going with this. Do you do you see this as as something that I think that this show can tackle and do well? I love that you said that because I want to piggyback a little off of what everybody said because it's it's so beautiful because like I think somebody threw the word relatable around here and that's what you're gonna get with Sam Wilson because we're while I said in the beginning that the shield for Steve represented hope, optimism, and patriotism. He was also a white man. And not mm. to get too uberly political here, but what where I think it falls on Sam is he's a black man. And where I think they're going to kind of tie it into, it's that while the shield for Steve represented that hope, optimism, and relatability, I think for Sam it represents oppression. Because that's how I think he feels in, in this modern setting. So right now he may not think that the world's ready for a black Captain America, mm. And where I think the scene with Rhodey really hit me is like, well, that's the way to honor Steve because he gave him that shield for a reason. And I think that reason was because I think Steve actually knew that Sam would give it up because I think that he knew that he didn't think he would be ready for it. But I also think that Steve being like the patriarch for America that he is, he knew that he could have given it to Bucky. He could have handed it in the government, but he gave it to Sam because he gave it to the one other person that is just an equally good man. Mm -hmm. So that that's where I, that's what I think I'm just I'm loving and and I know that he's gonna get that shield back soon and I know it's gonna be probably one of the most pivotal moments in the MCU I think yeah yeah no and like, you can go back to as you had mentioned the first Avenger which is one of my favorite MCU movies Same. and Doctor Erz when he just points to him and points to his chest and says you need to be a good man yeah. right this this is more than that right. The mm -hmm. Super Soldier Sermon itself, which we're going to talk about in a minute here, emphasizes the qualities of a person, good or bad. And, and Sam fits that bill. And so I, I like where they're taking this character. Now, we, we've spoken about, you know, Sam giving up the shield here. We've got we've got Bucky doing his thing, his redemptive arc, which I really, really like what they're doing with Bucky in there. And, I, and we're going to pull into that as we get to episode two about, you know, the pardon and how they're working this character but but let's talk about how episode one ends. And to be honest with you, 
<laughs> we, we dragged it long enough. <laughs> we, we've got we've got Sam giving up the shield here, and we've got the new Captain America, John Walker here, played by Eagle the Living Planet's son. Um, not in the MCU, but in real life. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all everything's connected. Right? <laughs> Kurt Russell is in really case. in the MCU. <laughs> Kurt Russell is really in the MCU and had a son. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> but I, I, I gotta, I gotta hear your guys' reactions to the reveal. They've been very cagey about John Walker. We've seen a couple images from the trailer of him from the back, and we knew this is where they were going. We knew that. Hyatt Juan, uh, Wyatt Han Russell, sorry, was cast into this role. And, you know, those of us that have read the comic books, we know exactly what's going to happen here. But the reveal still to me was quite jarring. He looked like a, a young boy who had put on the helmet of his father that he found in the closet. I, you know, you know, the MCU is all about quality. I, I still don't know how this one passed like the QC. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a bit shocking to me. So can I tell you actually... I think, I actually think because Tim, I was with you at first. I'm like, how did they let the guy go out there like that? Like, that's not what you said. But then I'm like, oh, I think it was intentional. Um, the first thing that my dad and I said is, wow, I, he's got like a punchable face. Like, I really want to hit him. <laughs> I think we were meant to, not only in the context of how the scene builds and shown from Sam's perspective, we're supposed to be frustrated as well. But then you see the guy and you're like, so it, it, it cleverly starts showing him from the back. And we're mm -hmm. like, oh, there's a new Captain America. That's effed up, man. It should be Sam. This is terrible. I'm feeling just like Sam is. And then they cut to his face and I go, oh, and it's this freaking guy. Look at his <laughs> face. This is what they got for us. This is what so I'm like, oh, that's Kevin <laughs> going. You're going to hate him the minute you see him. Yep. And how do we do that? We do a low angle shot. We, we cut the helmet up here so you really see his cheek and he's going to give the whole white yeah. guy head nod thing and you're going to be like I hate that guy and it and worked wink. for the last yeah. seven days it worked for the last yeah. seven days it worked so <laughs> cheers to Kevin Feige because I know that that was his choice man if that was on purpose again I ballot defeat Kevin Feige because it's it's right it's interesting spin that you put on that because the internet reacted that way. I reacted that way. Like, what is this? Like you have this like production value that's through the roof. And then they, they mess up on the placement of the helmet and the ears sticking out. Like this guy looks like a goofball. You know, when we first see Carlos, did, did you guys have a good chuckle over this one too? Yeah, I had a good laugh. Like he, he looked goofy, but I, I agree with Nico that it was intentional. And I also agree with our boy Chris Evans there in the comments that you, you can truly never have too many shields. But I, I've been I've been told and th there's one Marvel item in the back cave here. I got my little Marvel section upstairs, but it's a shield because it was all but thrown down here. So, um, yeah, no, it. it I think it was intentionally goofy. Uh, and if I can kind of jump into episode two, mm -hmm. I was pretty impressed with how they actually make him a likable. And then like, you kind of get to a point where it's like, yo, Sam Buck, this dude's kind of in the right. And they're doing some interesting things. Mm. And then I was like, his costume's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> and what they've done with the star is pretty cool with the A mixed in there. And then up on his shoulder too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, shoot, mm. 
this is better than Captain America, like Steve Rogers pajamas in the Avengers. That's for sure. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. man. Whoa. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I still kind of like that. Suit, yeah. It's so simple. Man, it was look, such a simple time. All the promo art has his ears cut out and it looks no, exponentially better. It's just yeah. the, how it's just the ears. Covered. It was just the ears. <laughs> and, and like the neck cloth and the hard helm. It's bad fellas. Like, <laughs> No, like it looks cool when he has the um the mask off and he's mm-hmm. has the hair flowing and being yeah. all sexy and stuff. Like that's that's fine, but like man, when that suit is fully on, it's terrible. Yeah, and I was in San Diego when they unveiled that suit. I got to be right up close and personal with like the little locker thing or whatever oh, wow. that, that suit goes in and so I was hyped for it. And then I saw that first trailer, I was like, why why is he wearing pajamas? <laughs> going on did they get called out kind of thing by fury had to had to jump down the fire pole and spring into action <laughs> out of bed but uh yeah um anyways back to john walker like i they did interesting things and i think they were pretty smart about taking away a few of the weapons that i think they assumed people would work with like his best friend and second in command is african-american his longtime mm-hmm. girlfriend, wife, spouse is African American. So it's like, okay, well, these are not things easy, low hanging fruit that they're gonna play with in this show mm-hmm. type of thing. And mm-hmm. and I actually liked his his Bucky, so to speak. Like I thought he was he was a pretty cool dude, and like he, he seems like a dynamic and interesting character. So I'm glad that they're taking this whole thing in a more challenging direction. Because mm-hmm. it's like you're in a position where there's there's people south of the 49th that'll actually like this guy no matter how bad he yeah. is so <laughs> you know Zeddy, i want you to pull on that thread mm-hmm. a little bit here you know yeah. you and i were we're both cap dudes seeing another see another dude in that suit with that shield it, it, it was jarring for me it was jarring for me but yeah. i have to agree with carlos the work that they did into episode two it it worked for me as far as trying to make this character likable and putting up a bit of a wall to Bucky and Falcon, you know, I understand their position, but you got this guy swinging down into action with his, you know, and in the comics, you know, the character Battlestar has, was called Bucky at one point. And so they swing into action. You're like, I didn't expect that. And I was like, Holy, like I, I kind of, I kind of start to buy into it. Mm-hmm. I, I felt, I felt dirty for thinking that, but here I am buying into to, to John Walker and Battlestar swinging in to help out Bucky and Falcon, which was a great hide inside of the trailer. I'm so happy that that wasn't revealed in those trailers. We got to see that scene a lot, but we didn't see any of this extended set with these two characters. So John Walker, Battlestar, and a new Captain America as we get into episode two, you know, the episode is titled the star spangled man, which oh, I, I it, that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> Shout out to them for having like the marching band playing yes. the old, yeah. the old it's so song. good. It's so good. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Wasn't that just a gut punch? Wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. To kind of piggyback off of like Carlos and like what everybody said. I mean, it's almost like, yeah, they made him, likable in the beginning like it's almost like they wanted you to sympathize with him mm-hmm. and because clearly you know he represents like the poster boy for america like this guy's not captain america right i mean this thing's like 
I think of it like Batman. Like anybody could be Batman, but Batman's only one person. And you you have to be like you can't be that person. So he may think he's cat, but come on. Not cat. <laughs> not cat. Um but where I really like dug into it, and it's almost like when he was how do I want to phrase this? Because it's um sorry, I'm drawing a blank here. Um when he's just sitting there and they're like trying to be buddies with him. Get it's him almost like, that, yeah. yeah, it's almost like the denial of him as that hero is what pushes him over to like being that cocky, kind of arrogant, kind of like ignorant guy, right? Because in the beginning, he's he really does come off as like a likable guy that I was handed this to me. This wasn't really something that I chose. Mm-hmm. And then, then it's like, oh, well, screw you guys. Like this shield is mine. Like you gave it up. It's not yours anymore. So. Where, where I think they can head with it is just brilliant because, I mean, you know that, like, to the government, he's the cap. Like, he's their cap. But to Sam and Bucky, it's like, you have something that's mine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mine until I want it back. Or that's yours until I want it back. That's not true. Yeah. So, I know I went off the wheels there. Sorry about that. But I know you guys thought of this, too. Did anybody think of, like, this is going to be, like, when Cap and Bucky were just beating down Tony in uh, Civil War here? That's how I anticipate that uh, scene to go down with John Walker here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely, I think, a little bit of air to that. Mm-hmm. That you could down the road see John Walker. And I will talk about this maybe a little bit further along when I get to it. I think that once we bring in the multitude of villains, <laughs> the second episode really ignites. I think that there potentially is something, you know, if we're really, really going to lean on the comic books and what that is telling us you know that isn't always the case of course but i think that there's a little more to john walker than the uh the big smile and the you know even the parts when he's like honking the horn and kind of giving them the wave and signing autographs like they make him an endearing character but there's definitely something a bit underhanded about at least that's my expectation is but there are aspects of it, and even like you said, Carlos, when they bring in Battlestar here, Lamar Hoskins, like I wasn't to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting them. I thought that was like a nod when I saw his uniform and all that. I wasn't expecting him to swing into action either. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, and they kind of insinuate that he's just a normal guy, or at least that's how they play him up on Good Morning America, right? That he's just mm-hmm. just a really fit dude and whatnot. Like, obviously, there's going to be, which is how prevalent the super soldier serum is yes. going to be in this show as made plain as day in episode two. Um, I'm sure that'll factor in kind of thing. But is Hoskins enhanced as well? I think that's, that's a, actually a great segue here because so the, the like you said, the super soldier serum really takes center stage in this this episode. And it seems like it's going to be at least what we can maybe call the MacGuffin of this show is the idea and concept of chasing super soldiers. You know, we see it in the Flag Smashers. There's direct reference to what happened in Civil War with Zemo at the end of the show, the super soldiers. We've got Bucky. And then you go to the character that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, Isaiah Bradley. And that's another thread that they've pulled with the super soldier. So this seems to be like, like I said, it's going to be the MacGuffin of the show. Now, when you start to bring in one of the villains that we only hear about in this, the power broker from the comics, this is someone that, that gives super soldier serum for a price. 
right? This is someone that is dealing in black market super soldier serum. And so there's a part of me that feels like both Walker and Hoskins are amped up a little bit because of a deal that they've made under the table with this power broker. Like when they show John Walker chucking that shield around, Mm. that doesn't feel like a normal person doing Mm -hmm. that. You know, I know we're talking MCU and this is fantasy and all this stuff, but (laughs) realistically the only one that's ever thrown a shield like that is cap, right? Maybe Bucky, the odd time that he's chucked that back at him. So where are they going with at least this thread Nico of the super soldier serum, you know, is this the MacGuffin? Are these guys all amped up? Can John Walker not be amped up if we're going to see him go toe to toe with the likes of Bucky? And then where does this leave Falcon in all of this? Yes. He's a very skilled individual, but if all these guys are amped up or if all the villains are amped up, where does Falcon fit into this? And how does he level up to the point where he's a believable protagonist to the super soldier antagonist. That's a great question because I was wondering that the whole episode, just like you said, when John Walker shows up and starts chucking that shield around, I'm like, even when it showed him like training with it, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that thing's, that thing's vibranium and he's swinging that thing around and catching it on his arm. So he, he definitely looked Falcon has his wings and everything. Mm-hmm. but Bucky's the super soldier with the arm and just the way John Walker held his own and then was able to hold on to the end of the truck and everything. I think those two guys are enhanced a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the big conspiracy is you're going to find out that the government gave it to him. Yeah. I think that's going to be a big piece of it mm-hmm. um, because they obviously chose those two guys, especially John Walker. And then they're like, okay, yeah, well you got to also you have to take this because they're not going to let some scrub be cap America. He's got to be as good as him. Right. Mm. Because the world's watching and the world knew what Steve was capable of. What, what you do with Falcon, I've always been interested in. That's been my number one question that I always like go back to in a casual way. I'm like, can't wait for him to be captain America. Also, I don't, it, he's a normal guy. He's not like Steve. So I'm wondering what I've always wondered is if, the interesting piece, assuming he still does become Captain America, and I think he will, I'll be very shocked if he does not, um, is I wonder if they're going to try the approach of he just works his tail off and Mm -hmm. becomes as good as he can be. Um, Because I could also see Sam doing the noble thing and denying the serum and says, I'm going to be Cap. I'm going to use the shield my way. And I'm going to be my version of Captain America. I'm not going to just try to be a a carbon copy of Steve Rogers in terms of my physique. If they do end up giving Sam the the serum, I'll, I'm sure they're going to do it in a way where I'm like, okay, but I don't think, I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be Sam Wilson and that'll be cool to see. And like we were talking about relatability earlier, making him like the Batman of where he's just a he's just, he's just a guy who works his tail off. I think that'll be more powerful, in 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 my opinion. I'm not, but I'm not sure. I I truly have no idea because they're using the serum a lot more than I thought they would. Yeah, I agree. In general, so I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of super soldiers, and then with the Isaiah Bradley stuff, it was awesome. And I'm like, okay, so there were more 
throughout history, which makes complete sense too. So I'm like, okay, so the the super soldier, I think, I think I'm with you, Tim. It's it's the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Hey man, yeah. Batman and the Falcon being one in the same. That's not the first time that we've seen no. that concept. <laughs> not at all. Nice. Zeddy, like if if the super soldier serum, which I think it is, if it is the MacGuffin, is there is there enough here to remain intriguing? You know, we've seen this concept stepped on a little bit in the MCU. We saw it in some of the first Captain America stuff. We saw it in Civil War. We even saw it into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. That was a major MacGuffin through that show, although it's not connected directly to the MCU, but it was a major MacGuffin throughout the, at least the first two seasons of that, chasing mm-hmm. the super soldier. Is that is that too easy for this show? Is that too much to have all these super or amped up individuals that, you know, we bet eventually just collapse in on, Hey, it's another super soldier thing. Or is this a line and a thread? I think with the Isaiah Bradley stuff that can be drawn out in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question because like where I think they could take it is it's whether or not Sam takes it on his mm-hmm. own free will, or it's whether or not he feels like he has to, in order to defeat the threat. Cause Steve, for me, was always that guy that always did the thing in the moment. Like, he never thought of, like, the alternative mm-hmm. option. Where I get the vibe from Sam is he's always looking for, like, other ways, right? Like, he's really embracing that tactician. You even saw it in episode two with Bucky where he's like, no, hold back. Like, we got to scope out the we got to scope out yeah. the field. We can't just go ahead and, like, head first. Whereas Steve would have went and head first because that's who he was. So where, where my intrigue lies is... Like when you get to a point to the threat where it's okay, I have to I have to take the serum because it's the only way to take down this threat for good, or do I just will myself to defeating that threat and finding other ways to do it? Because where the MCU really doesn't explore it is there's always other ways. Mm-hmm. So that that's where my entering lies. Hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's there, man. It's there, of course. Now, Carlos, this, this I want I want to really bring in this aspect of Isaiah Bradley and what he's meant for you in this second episode as far as amping up not only sam wilson's story and some of the social commentary that they're providing around that but also how it nicely dovetails into the super soldier thing now for those that know don't know isaiah bradley was an african-american captain america and they've retconned a little bit of this inside of the mcu and he's had some interactions with winter soldier but essentially in the comics he's a character that partaked in project rebirth not so much under his his own volition and under his own choice but they're basically injecting people with a serum to try to replicate captain america after the death of dr erst so this is something that that has been explored in the past and we saw this a bit in civil war but it seems that they've also taken a bit of the the context from the comic books is the fact that isaiah bradley was jailed after for treasonous acts of taking up the mantle of captain america and that may be related directly to the color of his skin and that's how it was played in the comics i'm not sure exactly how they're going with it in here but let's bring some of your thoughts here carlos on the inclusion of isaiah bradley and then also his his grandson clearly is there too eli Mm -hmm. which is the patriot in the comics but let, let's frame some of that out for you and what you're seeing in episode two and the importance of bringing this character into the show. Oh yeah, man. Like he's like, honestly, as far as just deep cuts reading, like he's one of my favorite mm-hmm. 
Marvel characters, period, full stop, because he's like the allegory for the Tuskegee Airmen and the African-American soldiers in World War II that were experimented on with various vaccinations that they were trying to see how they worked and all this other garbage that they did to these poor people. So, yeah, Isaiah Bradley, like, technically, he is the first Captain America because the original version of the comics was that they perfected the serum on him Mm -hmm. and then they're like, well, you can't be the super soldier that we want. So we'll inject the Steve Rogers guy and move ahead with it. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And like I said, that redeemed a lot of what they did on the front end with Sam, because based on that and Sam's reaction to meeting him and when they go out under the street, Mm -hmm. you can tell that that's building to Isaiah Bradley being, the inspiration for Sam to take up the mantle and mm-hmm. to honor. Yeah. He'll be honoring Steve's legacy for sure, but more so a, a bit of a, a vindication for what Isaiah Bradley went through. So yeah, man, I'm like super stoked for that. And I, I kind of hope they don't bring Patriot in right away because mm-hmm. it'll give Sam a chance to shine. It'll give Isaiah a bit of showcase and, Man, shout out to the twice over Martian Manhunter because uh, that that actor was the voice of Martian Manhunter on the Justice League animated series, and then he played Martian Manhunter's dad on Supergirl, or still mm-hmm. does. So it was it was kind of neat to see the reveal that that that's who's playing Isaiah Bradley, and and yeah, I like the idea that he was imprisoned, probably under false pretenses, mm-hmm. just so that they could experiment on yeah. him and create more super soldiers from him. And I wouldn't, if they do go the route of giving Sam uh, enhancements, I suspect it might come through that channel mm. where he he either locates super soldier serum that was divined from Isaiah or Isaiah does something to enhance him, like blood transfusion or something of that matter, just so he can stand toe to toe with the rest of the super soldiers. But yeah. I, I can see it going either way. I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't, but at the mm-hmm. same time, if he does, that's fine too, because like there's only a handful of a regular folk, quote unquote, running around shoulder to shoulder with the Avengers, right? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see which way they take it, but I'm kind of good with it either way. But I think that'll be the avenue that they take as opposed to him going to the power broker or submitting to the government or something like yeah. that. I think it'll be fundamentally tied to Isaiah. Yeah. And I think they have to, to be honest with you, I was, I wasn't exactly expecting this Avenue for them to explore. And I think we knew based on some rumors and reports that Patriot was going to have, or at least Eli was going to have a role in this. And I agree with you that there's a high likelihood that they're going to step back from that. That is just more of a nod to the future. They seem to be assembling, some sort of young Avengers team for the future, maybe a young Avengers movie. When you look at the characters that they're starting to line up here, there's a real pathway to a pretty solid young Avengers team here. And, and I agree with you. I hope that they, they just kind of say, this is what it is. And maybe by the time we get to the end of this season, he's either amped up a little bit, or we find out that through his grandfather, that he has inherited some sort of powers that he's unsure of. And, maybe Sam takes him under his, his literal wing and, and rides with them into the future. And this is where we get some of this development here, but it's powerful to be honest with you, what they did 
in that scene and as they walk out and onto the street you know we've just gone through 2020 where we've seen systematic racism come Mm. to the forefront here and the idea that they even went down the path of like they're asking the winter soldier like is this guy bothering you Mm. like to me that that i'm i'm happy that they've gone down that path to provide that social commentary inside of a superhero inside of an mcu film to help continue to raise awareness towards that and you know I, Carlos, we talked last week offline about how maybe they shied a little bit away from that with the blip in that, but this they leaned pretty heavily into it as as it being something that they're going to address inside the show. Yeah, it was cool, and I was glad that they did it stripped away from anything else. Like, mm-hmm. there was no... They weren't in the middle of a battle or a chase, and there was no costumes or anything like that around. It was just a situation that you could find on any street corner in the States kind of thing, so... That was cool. And I only say that because there's snow on our streets right now. So, um, yeah, so that was awesome. And I also love how here and in the bank, they kind of played up with the fact that people are really harsh towards Sam until they realize that he's the Falcon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then their whole mindset and approach changes. And I was like, that's pretty bold and pretty cool that you guys recognize that these kind of things happen. Because you could see that same scenario playing out with... An athlete kind of thing, right? Like an treat athlete. this guy like garbage yeah. until it's like, oh shoot, this is so and so plays for whatever whatever football team, or this is so and so who's from whatever show type of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, like that was that was awesome. Like mm-hmm. they the back half of this show supercharged my my love of where they're going. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and you're right too that that idea of Falcon carrying this vanity to him once he's revealed to be the falcon mm-hmm. right like it, it, everyone's mood immediately changes can i get a selfie you know it's fine but it's it but it's it's very true right mm-hmm. and i think it'll ring true for for a lot of people here and them tackling these sorts of of issues i think is important inside of shows like this that are going to get a lot of eyeballs on them as well so let's before we we kind of get into the um sometimes the achilles heel of these shows about talking about what's next let's just quickly talk about the multitude of villains that they are quickly building up in this show you know from the trailers and this is usually where we get most of our baseline for these shows we've made an assumption that the flag smashers are going to be your underlying villains for this and they they seem to be a piece of that but in the context of the show you know, we, we've got a lot of antagonists in front of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've got the Flag Smashers, which we've seen to be amped up individuals fighting for this this one world, this one nation sort of idea, pulling a bit from the comic books. We've got, of course, we've got John Walker. Uh, we've got the Power Broker, who we talked about here, about someone that seems to be in the background dealing in Super Soldier Serum. And we've got Zemo was even name dropped at the end here and shown to be a character that they're going to rely on for some insight into what Hydra was doing in the super soldier serum. So it's nice that they're tying back into civil war. Of course we knew Zemo was going to be in here, but Nico, who is the villain of the Falcon and the winter soldier? Is it someone we've seen? Is it, is it Zemo? Zemo seems like he may be an ally at least for the first part of this, but there's an assumption that he will veer a bit more to the villainous side of things. So what, what's your take on the antagonists that have been put in front of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier here? This is the hardest thing to do, in my opinion, 
I actually think it's easy. So what I'm about to say is a walking contradiction. I sometimes, how do I want to word this? Because I was going to word it two ways. I think it's easy to predict an MCU villain sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, they normally go for the twist villain, mm-hmm. um, especially in phases two and three, more so three, which is okay. It works. Um, why I think it's hard on this show is there's so many villains already. I don't know who the twist one is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zemo, my my hope is he's the main villain. Is that too predictable? The twist villain, I honestly think, is going to be in some ways the U.S. government for giving the super soldier serum to John Walker. I think it's a system problem, and that's what the show is going to show you and how Sam realizes he, he that Captain America has to exist outside of the American government or yep. the American army. Um, I think that's where they're going and everyone else is part of it. Cause the way the twist villain thing is going is I like when this episode ends where, where we stand right now, I like John Walker. I think they did a good job with him. Like you both have said um, in terms of making him be like, he just wants to be the guy. He just wants to do it. Whether or not some of his motivations are his or he's being pushed to do something, he might turn out to be sort of a tragic figure who wanted to take on this role. Then he had to be steered down some other way. I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to tell you a lot of this is Zemo's plan, but I think the government, and I'm not trying to throw shade at our country. This is a television show. I just want to put that out there. I just want to talk about our television show here. If anyone's watching, if the FBI is watching on this camera right here, so they're hearing whatever I'm saying and they're seeing my face, you can come find me. I'm right here. Um, I think it's I think it's something in the government or the people who are in charge of bringing John Walker. What I will not like is if Zemo is responsible for John Walker. Then I'll be like, bro, this guy's been in jail for yeah. six years. Come on now, he's not that. He can't. He's he, he can't do that. So that's what I think. Um, or it's literally just a plethora of villains and they beat them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to your know. point about know. the twist villain, the easy take on this is John Walker and and Battlestar are under the table taking serum from the power broker. They somehow get into along with the US government, get the shield, and they're the ones that they're teasing. You know, they got the phone calls and they've got you know the things that are happening. I'm gonna the text that went to um, the character played by Emphy Ness that uh, Dave so aptly put into the um, the mm-hmm. comments here from from Solo there that what seems to be the leader and is of course picks up the name it's uh, sorry what is her name it was um, she Carl- is from Solo I'm like where is she yeah. from She's so Emphy's Ness She's it's from Car- Solo. yeah oh, Carly is the name that she she takes up in here and it's I actually a play on Carl actual flag smasher from the comic yeah books, but, um. It's easy to say that, like, yeah, that John Walker showed up at at that battle very conveniently. He's the one texting her. He's the one that that is the easy path, I think, Mm -hmm. for me. And that's the path that they've kind of put in front of you. But we know from all of this that maybe John Walker is just this altruistic soldier that wanted to do the right thing that, like you said, maybe got mixed up with the U.S. government, ended up injecting a few things. And all of a sudden he's a he's a super soldier. So Zeddy. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on this? Like who who is the villain here? 
We yeah, are the villain. As, as <laughs> we are the villain. Because yeah, we're theorizing <laughs> right now. We are the villain because we're making theories. No. It's, it's Wanda. She's 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 back. Ma- yeah, she has Wanda's the villain. Falcon and Winter Soldier in a in a dream world. It's, Twitter's the villain. It's Reed Richards. It's with Reed. Blue Marvel. <laughs> it's Mephisto. It's Sir and, Ian McKellen. Yeah, Mephisto. McKellen. <laughs> it's Al Pacino as Mephisto. <laughs> Al Pacino was the devil. That was a popular one. Yeah, that was, that was another one I saw. Yeah. Uh, so my, my gut tells me that, yeah, it's probably the U.S. government because that's the easy answer to go around. What I wouldn't like it is if they make, like, John Walker, like, he cheated the system to kind of mm-hmm. get to where his status is right now. But that's where the easy path. That that's is the easy, easy path. Uh, where my intrigue lies with Zemo is, so kind of like how he broke apart the Avengers in Civil War. I'm almost wondering if he unites kind of Bucky and Sam closer together. So that's kind of where my intrigue lies right now. It's kind of a twist where, like, you may think he's the villain, but really he's kind of bringing them closer together than ever before. But I do think that Zemo is going to be probably like the Riddler here, where maybe he's just the catalyst behind the catalyst. So, but my my theory is the government, because they've really been playing, like, how the system cheats to kind of get to where they are. So that's what my gut tells me. Okay. Okay. Carlos. Very winter, very winter soldier. Yeah. There, there's something here and I, we got four more episodes to find this out, but Carlos bring some commentary towards that. And then, you know, let's, let's start wrapping this one up and we have a chance to get to a little something else here, but your, their thoughts on some of this and, and then also wrapping up these first two episodes. So Zemo is not Zemo. He's not the person in the purple mask. Zemo is a contractor for the U.S. government, so he's working for the government now, much like when the FBI catches hackers, they put more more of them to work than <laughs> they put in jail, which is just, just the way of things. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think Zemo is working for and with the government, hmm. but not necessarily directly um, in pumping out super soldiers and stuff. I think they might he might be helping them with just the John Walker piece of things. I don't think Walker is going to be your villain. And I think the U S agent version of captain America is going to be something that persists in the background a little bit of the MCU going forward. And you'll have quote unquote, two captain Americas, like the government captain America, and then Sam Wilson, captain America, uh, which will be cool and um, open the door for lots of neat things going forward. If you want to go that way. But I think Emphy's Nest is actually the Zemo in the purple mask. Mm. And that she will be playing kind of both sides and whatnot. And she might even be related to him in some way, shape, or form. But I don't think the Flag Smashers are a completely independent um, Mm. entity. And yeah, and they might be like who Zemo, who the purple mask Zemo is, is what Sharon Carter and shield swords, whoever she works for now uh, is investigating. Again, those are just wild ass theories. Like who knows? I don't, I don't lose sleep thinking of these things. I thought of it just kind of right now, but yeah, I I do think that there'll be a bit of a a red herring with where they're going with things. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest with you at this stage, you know, we've still got the better part of like three hours of content so mm-hmm. like a, a, a quite a quite a decent size end game sort of runtime of a movie if not longer to iron a lot of this out and 
the way that they presented this to us as the MCU does first half of movies, it makes you think one way. And then like you said, Nico, they flip it on its head. Mm -hmm. And this is what great writing does. And this is what great shows do is that they suck you in and they spit you at the other side with a, a story that you were not expecting. And I'm fully expecting that from, from Winter Soldier or Falcon and the Winter Soldier here. And I'm really looking forward to it. So to close this conversation out, Nico, what's what's your final thoughts here on these first two episodes? And what are you looking forward to most as episode three kind of starts to, we start the countdown towards that next Friday? <laughs> I don't know what Zeneca is doing there. No, me neither. You're on the bottom. So. Oh, 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 I'm on you. the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I mean, I'm all in. Um. I like, I really am interested where, where they're going, especially now talking about it more. I actually just finished it like 10 minutes prior to hopping on because I had a long work day, but it was great. No, because it's so fresh and it's the best way to talk about it when it's fresh. Um, I, I, I think the show is going to have an excellent payoff and an important payoff. Like Zenik said earlier, I think it's going to be pivotal to both the MCU but pivotal to the audience as well um, in, 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 in terms of how they feel about and feel represented by characters going forward. I will be honest though. I do want to put this in there. Do you want to put this in there? Episode one, loved it, had me. Episode two, mostly had me. My biggest problem with the MCU at times, with this episode, and Carlos knows where I'm going. <laughs> they, when they wrote episode two, I, I want you to know they had my picture on the wall. <laughs> And they said, okay, in this episode, he hasn't, he hasn't complained for nine weeks. So let's push him a little bit with episode two. There were times when I thought the humor was a little too much, a little too long, especially, <laughs> but then they save it when they're doing their therapy session. Mm -hmm. Um, when they finally talk and like get into it for that two minutes, I was blown away. I was almost in tears. But the five minutes of nonsense to get to it, I'm like, oh, come on. Now they're staring at each other. Okay. Now they got to scoot in. Now they have to do his leg. And he's like, it's close, man. It's close. Oh, oh. I like that question, Doc. Huh? And then I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. It's funny. And then right before, for me with the MCU, it's not, it's, it's the length they mm -hmm. push the humor. So you get the thing about Gandalf. Then the entire buildup to the truck sequence, they just keep going. And then the rest of the episode's brilliant. And then when they're doing their therapy thing, it's funny at first, but they go a little too long and then they get to a brilliant scene. So for me, it's just a little less. The, Good the, episode. This is a great series so far. I am so excited, but they had my picture on the wall and said, we are going to frustrate him because <laughs> he never got frustrated during WandaVision. And the first episode was a, we impressed him even in Zack Snyder's justice league. <laughs> we need, we need to keep him honest. We need to keep him honest. So that's why they wrote those scenes the way they did. You, <laughs> but you I know, I, it. I find that that sometimes, especially from people outside of myself who are, who are all in <laughs> on the MCU and have <laughs> these okay. freaking blinders up. But I, I can't admit that they do undercut themselves at times with with sometimes sometimes yeah. like there there are scenes that they undercut tension with humor to as yes. a way to break it and it doesn't yes. always work and sometimes these scenes do go a little long mm -hmm. you know maybe 20 30 seconds long mm -hmm. 
And yeah, and it's these these things aren't perfect. They're never no. going to be. But but Zeddy, you have to agree. This is it's a pretty close. damn pretty damn perfect follow up to, to Captain America. Yeah, I mean, once yeah. upon a time, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out before Wandavision. Yeah. It was supposed to kickstart the MCU oh, Disney Plus streaming era, and it's almost like everything happens for a reason. It was almost fitting that it was oh, Wandavision 100%. that that like laid the foundation for all this to come because. Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision couldn't be tonally and creatively different. So yeah. I'm almost glad that we got what we got like with WandaVision yes. and, and this Agreed. is following it up because this yeah. just sets yeah. the tone for like Hawkeye and Loki. And mm -hmm. so I'm I'm in. I and you know what? Six episodes, this thing is perfect. Yeah. To think that we I only have four more episodes to go, insane. Insane. Yeah, it's such a divergence from WandaVision. And like I said before, it's more familiar, but I have to agree with you wholeheartedly that the pandemic and the results that we have in front of us now, I think benefited it in that sense where WandaVision coming out first was the best way to kickstart phase yeah. four, both mm -hmm. creatively and also for, for getting people into the MCU and kind of rattling the cage of it all, right? You know, mm -hmm. we see and there you can criticize it for that. There's a formulaic take to the MCU and WandaVision threw that out the window. Mm -hmm. And this one veers a bit closer to that. But in itself, I think it, it it provides the intrigue that we're used to and we want more of from these characters. So, Carlos, final thoughts on this one. Man, if they just take a straight line forward from where they ended this episode or at least the back half of this episode. I'll be happy. Like, I don't need any uh, twists and turns or any bends. If it's just these two guys figuring out their place in the world. Yeah. And if they build out that Isaiah Bradley, Sam Wilson narrative that they've started here, I'm totally happy. Like I, I couldn't give a shit about like what, <laughs> what bizarre X-Men character is going to show up or like this <laughs> Easter egg guy from young Avengers or like this guy is one of the, I don't care. Like <laughs> Sam Wilson and wrestling with the weight of his place in the world and what that shield is like, that's where it's at for me, man. Like those, those intimate character driven stories, like that, that's, that's what I'm looking for with this one. And that's what I was hoping for. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that built out with Bucky in the first episode to give that piece of it more more juice as opposed to just being kind of the the heavy and then that they are taking sam down like the perfect path for me i'm cool man like four more episodes of just his journey I i'm all in man i don't need blue balls or whoever's on the moon like i'm good <laughs> you don't need a watu or you don't need uh, as as our boy chris evans put in the comments here you don't need magneto in harrison <laughs> no Where's man ralph like boner? that ralph boner <laughs> to be honest like that discourse around wandavision like that that it was, it fueled was so much of my ire because i was just like you people what is wrong with you yeah <laughs> take a step out they're not putting them they're yeah. not putting the, the mutants into any of this and and but, i agree with you man on this We'll, go go nico go go, go. i was gonna it. say though but like yet real quick yet we all fell for it mm -hmm. like we were in a group chat together going oh guys i don't know man <laughs> even though they just even though they just announced fantastic four <laughs> Mikey, they might have krasinski in the back <laughs> he's here, he's here. 
<laughs> oh, your dad was the best for that though. Like after a few pops, after the first, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. first record, like man, the best, the, the best was the Randall oh, Randall Parks in it. Office connection, Krasinski. Oh, yeah. It's in. Oh. <laughs> it's in the back. Yeah, I think the big part of that too was at least for me was we went like six hundred and something days. Like it sounds absurd that I was counting oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. without MCU content and. Ooh. You were, we're coming off the back end of a year where we got zero really outside of 184 That's and the Mandalorian crazy. in this space. Like, we got nothing. Wow. And so, I think everyone had a little pence up uh, theory crafting that they <laughs> and they asked for it, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought Toby might have showed up. I don't Toby. know. I was getting wild. Get I was getting here. wild. I'm Andrew. like, you know what? If they're filming Doctor Strange 2 right now, he's on the volume. It just got shot. We're going to work <laughs> it into the ending. Spider Boy. He's going to be up. swinging upside down in the house. I'm like, yeah. come on, man. We're going to save our we're going to save our our big no way home reveal for WandaVision. <laughs> Wanda, it's me, Tom. I thought you were kind of hot and like, can we go save the world together? Like, let's go. Oh, man. <laughs> but to to wrap this thing up for me, Look, I agree with you, Carlos. They got to go forward from here. You know, episode two really expanded the character base, both on the antagonist and the protagonist side. We got a lot of moving pieces. They can't continue to build that out. They've got to take what they have now and move forward with it. With the exception of the character we know is coming, Agent 13 and, and Sharon Carter. We know she's coming. She fits this universe very well. With the exception of that, I do not want to see any more characters introduced here. We've got enough to build out a very solid series and we've got the right characters in place to move around the board to make meaningful stories. If we continue to grow this tiny universe into something that is then bringing more weight, like the Patriot and all this, like I think they're going to be nods, but they need to use the characters that they've introduced here because episode two. Yeah. Like I said, all of a sudden we have six more characters that are going to play a role in the series going forward. Yeah. And let, let's move forward with it, and let's let's get on with it. No more, no more big theory crafting, guys. I don't think Reed Richards is showing up in this one. Blue Marvel, none of that. I don't think we're gonna see Doctor Strange or Spider Man or anything like that. <laughs> Old man Steve Rogers is coming back. Well, on that point, last point, I can <laughs> no. tell you when they went knocking on the door, I was the one that makes the most <laughs> <laughs> I know, and like I said in the pre-record, it's like all three of y'all went Steve Rogers, and I was like Isaiah Bradley. I totally Just, went. I was like, <gasps> yeah, take that, dear viewer, as you will. Well, it's funny. And the <laughs> only reason I, twice. the only reason I went there, was you know you hop on Twitter in the morning or whatever, and you're trying to avoid spoilers. But for the last two weeks, Captain America and Steve Rogers were trending in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no way. They're not doing this. And so they didn't. And I agree with you, Carlos. They're better off that they didn't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can bring them back like whenever, but not not in this show. Not in I episode don't, two. I don't think I will. No, no I don't, I don't think, think, I will. Will. Yeah. I don't think I will. All right, boys. Well, let's change gears a bit here to wrap this one up. There was a, uh, there was a trailer drop today. DC. Look, we're coming off the back end of a very successful release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. You can go back and check out both the Vigilante 1939, their review of it, Zeddy's passionate and heartfelt review over on Let's Go. He did a beautiful written review of that, poured heart and soul into what that film meant to him. And you can even go back to our feed and check out our review, which is surprisingly 
positive. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> from especially from myself. Awesome. I was proven so very wrong with that movie. I will fully admit that here on the last podcast and forever going forward that I was wrong. That movie's great. But DC continued to build that momentum after a little speed bump on Monday. But after that, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot of casting and we've got a trailer for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. First reaction, boys. This one hit hard. It's an R-rated trailer. It mm. gives us a very good look as to what this film is going to be, both tonally, from an action sense, and from a character sense. So, Zeddy, yeah. how are you feeling about this one once you got a few trailer viewings behind you? Mm. I freaking love this trailer. This thing was bonkers, and I loved it. Uh, I mean, everybody think you know, I went on record and said, I think this first Suicide Squad movie was my least favorite of the DCU. That movie was just... Yeah, put that keep that in the dumpster. I mean, the first 45 minutes or so, that's Task Force uh Task Force X right there. This thing is Task Force X, like from the comics, like straight through. I mean, Harley Quinn looks amazing. King Shark, hello. I mean, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone voice in King Shark. What? It's massive, massive. And he's ripping people to shreds. I mean, this thing is like amazing. And and I also love that. I mean, everybody thinks like dark and depressing. Oh, that's DC. This thing looks hella fun. And that's what I love about them. I mean, the future just couldn't really look brighter mm-hmm. with DC. And they took so long to get her, as I was telling Carlos. But you know what? They're pulling in the driveway right now. And then and, and they're here. And they're here to stay. This thing, I couldn't be more ready for it. James Gunn, I mean, he's the man. What could I say? He, I could care less about the Suicide Squad with David Ayer, respectfully. So, of course, just didn't work for me. But he's going to make me care about the Suicide Squad. Because he did it with Guardians. He does it with these obscure D-level characters because that's what James Gunn does. Yes. So I'm in August 6th, the theaters, because I'm that's when I'm going to see it. HBO Max, I'm watching the hell out of the thing. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. What about you, Carlos, man? How'd you feel about this? I know our DMs lit up pretty quick when this dropped about all of our positive reactions for this trailer. Oh, dude, like I expected to be bananas, but not that bananas. <laughs> like, holy smokes, like... They went everywhere from dicks on a beach to Starro. Like, <laughs> Starro! What? Come on. What? It's insane. And I, like Zeddy said, it just, you got James Gunn and he's going to make you the most James Gunn movie ever. And yeah, like this is as R rated, at least as far as the dialogue goes. And who knows what the content will bring, but <laughs> it's way more R than than I was even expecting mm-hmm. and good on them. It's just like, they're kind of an in continuity version of what they did with the Joker with let's make the movie that the other guys can't. And yep, that'll be 100%. how we put our stamp on this thing. And yeah, like it, it just seems fun and over the top and the banter, but like Zeddy was saying, it's got that heart there. Like you got that awesome exchange between uh Bloodsport and Ratcatcher, where he's like, I'll take care of you. And she's like, no, I'll take care of you. Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. And then in the next scene, you have Polka Dot Man and Harley Quinn jumping across something. I don't know. It, but what an absolute pleasant surprise. Yeah. Like, yeah. it uh, it totally blew me away. There's a bit of Harley's dialogue at the end where I was like, that's funny, but it's going to be 
super uncomfortable when my kid pushes to watch this thing. <laughs> so I, I don't know how we're going to be able, and, I, and I'm not talking about uh, not covering your mouth when you cough, but yeah, let's see, man. Like I, it, it blew me away in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. And John Cena is the peacemaker. Oh, man. Definite scene stealer. Dude, even I though want, you can't see him, you certainly yeah. saw him, didn't you? <laughs> I want that Peacemaker show right now just Give because of me. this trailer, right? <laughs> yeah, Nico, man, add some more context to this discussion here. Did you, did you, did it land for you the same way it landed for? Oh the man, <laughs> it landed above and beyond. So, what's funny is if you go back to fandom, we did an episode of the Iceberg Lounge with the guys from Straight Out of Gotham, that's kind of when we first met him. And then we did a breakdown on the vigilante 1939. And I, and I went on record to say, I knew I was already excited for Zack Snyder's justice league. There was nothing he can show me or not show me to take that away at the time back in August. And of course, Matt Reeves was Matt Reeves and delivered one of the greatest trailers in cinema history. Okay, whatever. But I said, because those two were so assumed for me, suicide squad stole fandom for me. It, ran away with it just the panel having every actor having that game having a full half hour i love james gunn i think both guardian films are top 10 mcu films i love guardians too i know it gets a lot of flack but i love the heart and the family dynamic and how it doesn't rely on the universe it's its own story one and two so i'm all in on this i love the obscurity of the character so I was super hyped for it. I got three shirts on Amazon. I'm ready for it. I was so hyped. And then more time started to pass, you know, and it was like, where's the trailer? Where's the trailer? And then we got WandaVision. Zack Snyder's Justice League, two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I'm like, okay. And then we got the announcement last night that the trailer was coming. Woke up at 7 a.m. That's when trailers usually dropped. It wasn't up. Wasn't up at 8. Work at 9. Luckily, I have a 15 minute break from 11 to 11:15, and 11:04 was when that sucker went up, <laughs> and it was so hard to work for the next six hours because I was so blown away. Um, I actually went through after fandom and I read all of John Ostrander's run, which James Gunn has went on record to say that's where a lot of what's where a lot of his inspiration came from, and I feel that 100. percent Now, the first couple issues are very dated in the 80s, where everything is. Russia is bad. So when you get past like those first 12, just the obscurity of the characters, their dynamic between each other. I thought tonally this trailer was all over the place, but in the best way, because that's Mm -hmm. what the suicide squad is. There's a lot of emotion in the comics and pure ridiculousness. The team's always changing. The action looks great. And for me, I tweeted today. I think that Margot Robbie is the best casting in the DCEU, maybe in top, 10 top six seven of all of comic book content and i like how she's been a little different in both in birds of prey she's a little bit more put together but man her in this trailer this is harley quinn from the comics from batman the animated series she was nuts her scene on the roof when she's like and if you do this you die if you cough you die and everyone's like okay okay hold on hold on settle down and just the beginning when she escapes but she's like well i could go back inside if you want Man, she looks right. King Shark. Love that it's Sylvester Stallone, Italian guy. I did have a prediction. It was Taika Waititi. 
I'm going to find out who Taika is voicing. He's voicing someone. James Gunn also said it's not Starro, so it's someone else. I, I actually think he's the first rat catcher because Danielle mm. Melchor is rat catcher too. Speaking of, she liked my tweet today. Fun fact. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we're pretty much in love. It's whatever. Um, so no, she's guys. I'm she's very one hyped. of his 12 wives now. Um, <laughs> one of my 12. Yeah. And, it, and if you want to find out who the other 11 are, you have to, to DM me. Cause I won't disclose that on a show. Um, <laughs> it's a family show, but no, but no guys, I'm blown away. Um, this is my most anticipated comic book film of the rest of the year. And that's big to say, cause there's a film that might have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in it. And Chloe Zhao has one too. I think he's going to have in terms of how big it can be with the success of a movie like Deadpool and where birds of prey, I think miss the bar. I think James Gunn is about to have his biggest hit in terms of uh, mm-hmm. pop culture because man, there's a lot of people in this movie and John Cena actually like I was excited for peacemaker. I kind of like John Cena. There's nothing I have against him. I know Zeddy grew up with him because we went to grade school together. He was a big WWE guy in grade school. He's been doing this. I, I saw him do this stuff in like seventh grade. So I've been seeing him do this for, for years. So when you all just saw that, I'm like, Oh, there he goes. Um, he was like really good in the trailer. And surprisingly, when the new poster came out, he's third on the bill. Mm-hmm. I noticed so that too. I noticed, I noticed that, too. that right away. Whereas yeah. um, at Fandom, he kind of came in later, but now he's third bill. Um, yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I just, we're going to be doing something special on the Vigilante 1939 as well, where we're going to do a death pool. When it gets closer, we're gonna have you choose nice. who, who you think's gonna live, who you think's gonna die, and we're gonna get, we're gonna have some giveaways for that. But yeah. I think it's gonna be a fun time, man. I think people are gonna love the heck out of this thing, and yeah. I think James Gunn, which is crazy to think because he has two very successful Guardians movies, I think he's gonna have his biggest hit, and it's gonna be one of DC's biggest hit because people are gonna go. Like Zeddy just said, man, they're you they're usually dark and stuff. And I know Shazam and Birds of Prey tried to bring them out of it. They didn't make as much as the box office as maybe people wanted, but I think this movie people are gonna be like, yo, DC just up the game. Yep. And I'm excited. It, it's gonna walk the line, I think, a bit between the darker stuff, if you want to call it that. Oh, yeah, because it's violent. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be violent. <laughs> yeah. There's gonna be the language. And I'll never forget when I I'm a big fan of guardians and all that was a big fan of guardians before it was a film. Heck yeah. And I don't, I don't know why I have that. That's my clout. And in the, in the, that's, all, that's the only stuff that I carry. That was the biggest flex I've ever seen from I like the Guardians before you all. Like Dude, I, I was there I like day one, right? I uh, have a uh, rocket raccoon. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, in, in the room in the back here. He's but, my dog's name. But the thing I'll, I'll never forget about when they hired James Gunn, and James Gunn was telling the story. I don't know if it's the interview or whatever. He goes to Kevin Feige. Here's my script. Feige reads through it and says, no, this isn't what I want. And, you know, James Gunn said, you know, I, I tried to make it. I tried to fit the box. I tried to do the formula thing. And Feige told me, I, I hired you to give me a James Gunn film. Give me a James Gunn film. And this is what I think this is going to be. It's going to be a James Gunn film. And the guy has this mind and this sensibility towards filmmaking and respecting the source material. 
but also walking that line between being too much and too little. And I agree with you. I think this is going to be a massive hit and it's going to take the suicide squad. It's going to take really that air cut that, that WB massaged that trailer and that film to be to replicate. I think what they were seeing in guardians, I think you're actually going to get what they wanted, but Mm -hmm. amped up to the nth degree. This this looks like you said, Carl. It's bananas. It's freaking insane, right? It's nuts. You put I, this in front. You put this in front of a crowd five years ago, and it's like, what the f- is this? Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Like a little bit of shine fruit, I guess. But I love the fact that all those people crying and accusing Warner Brothers of not being filmmaker friendly and mm-hmm. not allowing people creative freedom. That it's like James Gunn who comes out with that big D energy, and he's like, hey. Look at the trailer for my movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tell me that I didn't have full creative control. Oh, yeah. Dude. Cool. Hell, Taika Waititi's even in it, right? So right. She like... got Taika. Yeah. Someone, I think he's Rat Catcher One, but that's my guess. I like but, it. Yeah. Like it. It's, I'm stoked for this. I love, I love the humor that they've used in this. Mm-hmm. Peacemaker to me and Harley Quinn Ooh. are the standouts. And I love the COVID, the commentary around like you got to cover your base when you call like yeah. to me that yeah. that's a COVID sort <laughs> of like James Gunn rewriting something to put that in there right. totally and shout out to Daddy Bats with the Ostrander yes. call out and uh, he actually has a cameo in the trailer he's the guy that's inserting the brain bombs yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah he's inserting the brain that bombs. was awesome that was awesome uh, that's great and you know Michael Rooker's in there a James Gunn alum to every James movie yep. you know so that cool. James Gunn's gonna have a lot of fun killing Rooker off oh man. <laughs> It's going to be the most brutal death of the whole yeah, movie. It is. Rooker. <laughs> they're, they're good friends in real life from, yeah. from what you see on Instagram and all this. And that's why Rooker's in all of his films. You know, Slither, <laughs> Guardians, of course, and the Suicide Squad here. So, yeah, I couldn't be more excited for what we have in front of us. Look, it, it's been a, a turbulent couple of years. Mm. But, you know, like you, you, I can't remember who said it at the start here. Like, it, we're in the golden age here, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Being a nerd right now is is not only is it cool, we're getting things like the Suicide Squad and Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Zack Snyder's Justice League. We just watched Zack Snyder's Justice League three years ago, guys. I said it didn't exist. (laughs) We just reviewed it last week. Yeah, man. Careful. I've admitted my flaws (laughs) and and, and being wrong and all that. (laughs) Between me and his oldest daughter, he's all in. He's all in, fellas. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a Batman shirt on on a record before this this year is done. Yes, yes. These honorary zaddy are awesome. Honorary zaddy, Tim. I love it. I love it. Task Force nerd. Let's go, baby. There it is. Oh, there we go. There it is. Good one. That's a good one. We had to steal that for a T-shirt. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Look, we'll give you a comp one, Zeddy. Yeah, it will give you a comp. Look, we got to wrap this one up. It, it again, as always, it has been a true pleasure having you boys on the podcast, having you on the live stream here to talk not only Falcon Winter Soldier but also a little bit of that Suicide Squad love. So, thank you guys for being here. But let, let's shout out your stuff, Nico. We'll kick it off to you first. Where can people find you? Social media, what you're doing on Let's Go, what you guys are doing on V39. Let's let's hear it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you could follow me here i got it right this time it's always the opposite hand on uh twitter instagram and letterbox um you can follow the show that's on zeddy's handle right now at the vigilante 1939 that's our um comic book pop culture entertainment based podcast that we do 
uh, with each other and with my father as well, who unfortunately was not able to join us tonight, but he loves you guys and he will be back for when we do the finale for this. And um, we just reviewed Zack Snyder's Justice League. We have another breakdown with the fanboy himself, Mario Francisco Robles on Zack Snyder's Justice League on Sunday. Um, we have an episode. We're going to talk about the Suicide Squad trailer because we all went bananas for that. And then you can find all my uh, film and TV reviews for the Let's Go Podcast over at www.letsgopodcast.com. Uh, my review for Cherry, directed by the Russo brothers, and uh, Tom Holland is going to be out uh, soon. And um, let's just say Tom was fine, but uh, the Russo should go back to comic book movies. <laughs> the Winter Soldier. Um, oh my goodness gracious! Look not so good. When 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 we're off air, I'll tell you the scene where I said, "Oh, Joe and Anthony, you need Captain America back, don't you?" Um, <laughs> so, um, Zeddy and I do uh, a a a film and television show for Let's Go as well called Let's Go Marquee, where we will be talking about Cherry very soon. Um, our thoughts are very similar. Lord so for that, and then Emmett Davis and I just had a video game show uh, we do called Let's Go Gamers, where Carlos was on. Oh no. I messed up. Here you go. Yeah, Carlos was on and Troy, yes. your boy Troy from the nerd room as well. Um, that was some of the most fun we've ever had. Um, yeah. thanks man. So go watch that. I, I mean that a hundred percent. That's the favorite show that we've done so far. And even if you don't like video games, I think you'll have a fun time just hearing the four of us talk about anything whatsoever. So that promo is going to go up tomorrow, uh, because that's when we drop those shows. And Zeddy has an even longer plug than I do. So everyone <laughs> strap in, go to the bathroom, go get a drink. It might be longer than Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm not sure. Take it away. The Zeddy busiest man. man in podcasting. The busiest Zeddy. man on the internet right now. It's not Mark Zuckerberg. I know. Oh, I, was, I was actually surprised when he said he just finished work and jumped on here because I thought you just podcasted full time. <laughs> no, man. No, man. <laughs> Let's time him. Hold on. Okay, Zeneca. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm going to solve for five minutes while you do it. Oh, man. Thank you guys so much again for having me yeah, on this was you. this was such a blast you guys can follow me on twitter at papa's underscore 95 uh the twitter for our podcast vigilante1939 has been next to me the whole time please go give that show a follow we're doing so much great stuff on there uh as tim and carlos so graciously plugged i did just write a review for Zack snyder's dress league which i really did help uh point my heart and soul into it i usually don't like to self-promote myself like that but i think it's really a review that i think everybody can take just a little something out of it, at least at least right now. Uh, you can follow me at somebody's favorite letterbox at Zeddy Films. All my film and other TV reviews at Let's Go Podcast.com. That includes Superman and Lois and Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I do co-host uh, Let's Go Marquee with Nico, as he just said. And then go follow the trailer uh, trailer show that I co-host uh, with Emmett Davis called The Hitch. Where we will be reviewing uh, the Suicide Squad trailer. So I'm happy to be everywhere. You guys know it. And... Uh, <laughs> If I can be serious just for a little bit, whatever going on in the world right now, spread love, not hate. So thank you guys. Yeah, I feel that, man. I feel that. And guys out there listening, whether you're on the feed or the live stream, you got you to check in what these guys are doing every single week. Bringing the positivity, bringing the content, whether it's written, audio, whatever, video, it's all there. These guys are brilliant. There's a reason that we love collaborating with the, both you and with, with your dad and the Let's Go crew, Batman, like everyone, straight out of Gotham. You know, we've got a great community here and we love the collaborations. And like you said, Nico, we're gonna pick this up in just okay. a couple of weeks, four just weeks. Four weeks, which we're is quicker. Yeah, back at the live stream over the eventually 1939, which is I guess the let's go YouTube feed that we're gonna be breaking this down <laughs> day and date. 
of the drop and continuing this tradition that I am so stoked about. I don't want to walk into Loki and all that, guys. We got so much coming. We have so much coming. What's cool is really quick. It's funny when um, (laughs) when you DM'd us about doing a show you were like all right so we're just gonna keep doing this mcu thing and we're just like oh yeah dude of course like it's a, so all these shows the premiere the finale we're we're like yeah dude we're into we got this we got loki when boba fett comes i know we're all excited for boba fett oh, 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 oh. Uh, <laughs> so much see y'all so, for the peacemaker show been, um we've met oh, a yeah. lot a lot Shoot. of great people in 2020 and 2021 but very thankful for yeah. you guys and how we have this ongoing crossover we're always crossing over whether it be we're crossing canada to america good vibes all the above um we're so thankful so can't wait to do this all again soon yeah looking forward to looking forward to it. and guys you know where you can find carlos and i it'll be at the end of the show Twitter is where I like to hang out at the nerd RM. You can catch me there. Carlos, you can see on screen here. I can never remember yours, so I never say it out loud. It, it, it's Canadian Cape Crusader <laughs> is what it stands for, but CDN Cape Crusader. <laughs> there it is. There I don't it is. plug anything, but I got to plug Daddy Bats in the comments. Yes. Walking his co-host saying that their closing was longer than the credits after one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. Dad. Why are they so long? He must I be don't home. understand. He wasn't home at the beginning. but no, He, 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 he popped in the comments a few minutes ago. <laughs> he must be home. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. And guys, you can find everything we do over the nerd room at the nerdroom.net, Instagram, all that neat stuff. You know where you can find us. It's there live streaming every Thursday, whatever it is, whether it's nerd, stars, Marvel, DC, or beyond, you can find us covering it alongside, of course, our good friends here over the Vigilante 1939. So for this evening, I wish you guys health, happiness, be kind. And, and do something nice this weekend. It's a long weekend coming up here. And like uh, like Zeddy said, you know, it, it's a, we've all been through it. We've been through the ringer the last year and a half. And uh, a little bit of kindness goes a long way. So let, let's, let's leverage that. Stay positive, guys. And we will be back, you know, in the nerd room here next Thursday. And, of course, in four weeks over with our crew here talking Falcon of the Winter Soldier. So look out, guys. There's a lot coming in, Nerd, here, and we'll be covering all of it. But with all that being said, guys, I'd like to thank you very much for coming out. Thank the listeners, the people watching right now. Thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room, and we will talk to you next week. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.